Hey, what's up, guys? This is Corla Valdez. I'm a 2018 Winter Olympian with the USA Bobsled team and also an entrepreneur, three years in finance. And if you guys want to get results, not just in life, but in business as well, then you should go follow and listen to the People's Coach podcast with my good friend, Angela Lilac. Hope you enjoy. Maybe you're thinking, ah, it's too late for change. You're already established and life is good, but it's definitely not great. Welcome to The People's Coach, your guide to living with more purpose and fulfillment. This is how life optimization should be. Brought to you by our host, Angelo Lilac. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to The People's Coach. I'm Angelo. I'm your host. And before we get things started, make sure that you're following us on iTunes. If you haven't already, please leave us a rating and review and help us grow this movement. If you want more information, you can visit me at angelolilock.com. Welcome to the show. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The People's Coach Podcast. The guest I have today is someone who I highly, highly admire for the structure, for the greatness that he's put into his life. He's a good friend of mine. His name is Carlo Valdez. He is part of the USA Olympic bobsled team. He's been in finance for the last few years, and he's doing some really, really big things. So, Carlo, welcome to the show, brother. Hey, thanks for having me, Angela. I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm excited, man. There's so many things I want to ask you. And even before we started recording, you already started spewing stuff out. And I'm like, wait, wait, wait. Let's hit record first before we go. Yeah. Hey, I'm just, you know, I'm excited. You know, got a lot of things to say. Yeah. And I want to share everything, especially after talking with you, what you wanted to do. So. Oh, heck yeah, man. I'm excited. Let's get right into it, man. So I gave I gave people just a little teeny tiny thing. I probably downplayed it, to be honest, uh, of who you are and what you do. But take a little time and explain a little bit more. Explain a little bit more of, of uh, your story. Uh, yeah. So, you know, born and raised here in California, um, Newport Beach, Orange County area. And uh, you know, I've always been in sports most of my life. Um, you know, it's just drawn to it played multiple sports growing up like sometimes five per year wow so i was very busy as a kid just going back and forth doing that and um yeah you know it kind of all culminated into you know what i'm doing now with the you know usa bobsled um you know as you try to figure out what you want to do um because you keep trying to get to the highest level in whatever you do so that's whatever i try to do i try to you know, be the best at it, not just, you know, mm. the average, but be the best and dominate. Um, so, you know, played football on track for the most time, uh, went to UCLA, went to Marty high school first, obviously, and then UCLA, um, focus on those two sports and, uh, football and track. Yeah. Football and track, ah. um, played receiver and safety in football, okay. stuck with receiver at UCLA and then, um, sprinter mostly, uh, for track, and I also threw discus, oddly enough, and oh. um, then that turned into being a decathlete my first year at UCLA, and then I became a javelin thrower after that just because my coach said, hey, you're fast, you can throw, um, we'll get you stronger, you know, javelin would be perfect for you. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, focus on that the rest of my time at UCLA, and um and yeah, that's when the opportunity for bobsled happened because my coach had other athletes previous 
Um, to me, um, he would tell those guys to go try out and they would make the team. So like, you know, guys like Nick Cunningham, he, he was under Mike Maynard, um, Andreas Trubal, Nick Taylor. So he, he has a mm. funny eye for that kind of thing. And yeah, he told me, Hey, if, if these guys can make it, then you can make it. So, um, you know, took his advice and tried out and one thing led to another. And, you know, seven years later, here I am still, um, doing this, wow. took some time off after Korea, but got my foot in the door. Um, and, uh, now back full time and, and yeah, been, been working in the meantime too. been working in finance for almost three years now. Um, which is crazy. And, you know, it's something I didn't think I'd be doing, but, um, yeah, tr- kind of transition into more of a entrepreneurial role where yeah. not just focusing on building a book of business, but also building a team. And, mm. uh, I'm, I'm more interested in, in the growth and development and the leadership factor of all of it. So I want to be able to, um, you know, lead, lead a team of people and help them grow their book of business. So that, now, that's, I, that's I gotta cool. ask, I'm, I don't mean to cut you off, but I, I have so many questions that I, I want to like put in here really quick. Is it like at it? Do you think it's ever intimidating as you're growing your business and people are kind of asking, you about your background and you're like yeah you know i'm an olympic athlete like you think that's intimidating for people to hear that you know it's funny because when i first started yeah uh my my first like few months or first year really i was Mm -hmm. kind of i didn't want to lean on that a lot i just wanted to say Mm -hmm. this is what i do this is what i'm trying to do this is why why i want to help Mm -hmm. um and then even like you know, my boss at the time, he's just like, you need to lean on that because it's, it's part of the story. And they're not right. You know, when people come to you, especially in this field, like they're not, they're not buying a product unless like they literally call and say, hey, I need this. You know, they're right. They want to be introduced. Like we're getting introduced to people who, you know, have similar interests and you need to get to know them and figure out what, what their goals are. And they're buying you. So if you tell them that you're an Olympian and done this, then that just draws them closer to you. And it's, it's a cool story for them because now they, they, they think they're along for the journey with you and they are. Um, mm-hmm. So I have leaned on that more and um, it's, it's fun to talk about for those, that, that first introduction. And, you know, when they, you know, do follow-ups, they always ask, Hey, how's this going? So it's yeah, yeah. something I've definitely embraced. Because I, I imagine it's kind of like people are sitting back when you're doing your Zoom meetings, kind of like chill. And then you say, yeah. yeah, you know, you give a little bit of your story. They're like, they probably like sit up a little bit more and kind of like fix their shirt and stand up a little more straight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> know it's, who it's you're in front fun. of, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. It's fun to talk about. Yeah, that's awesome, man. That's awesome. So you mentioned that you went to Matter Day High School. And it, I got to ask, were you part of that whole stretch of like unbeaten records type thing were you part of that uh so when i was there we had, we had a very good team mm-hmm. um and we we set records like as far as like offensively we were just a powerhouse um we mm-hmm. threw the ball a lot you know matt, matt bark was quarterback um, oh really and then we just had a bunch of weapons that receiver you know you can throw to five six seven of us and you know make an impact on the game, wow. and it could be any one of us. Um, awesome. So we set a lot of offensive records um, that year. 
um, played a lot of tough teams, number one teams in California, top teams in the nation. Yeah. Um, and un- unfortunately, it didn't uh, it didn't turn into anything. Like we we lost in the semis my last year. Um, okay. And yeah, it, it's just. It was unfortunate, but at the same time, you know, I wouldn't trade that for anything because right. you know, it's, those are relationships that you know we still have. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of uh, tough practice days, uh, double yeah. days in the summer times that we went through, and you know, those those bonds, um, you know, can't be. I wouldn't trade anything for anything else. You know, it's just Amen to that. Yeah. We, we know what we went through. <laughs> yeah, one hundred percent. And because it, it sounds like you know. People who are familiar, like Matter Day High School, their your football program's known. I think there was like a movie, even though it was kind of like skewed, right? Like from what I've heard, um, you guys are known for just being this powerhouse football team. Now, the reason why I ask this is because it sounds like from a young age, you already had this expectation of greatness. I mean, you go mm-hmm. to this well-known high school, you go to freaking play football at UCLA, and it's just like achievement after achievement after achievement. If, if you don't mind, I'd like to go. I'd like to go back. Where do you think that came from? Where do you think that high-achieving, high-performing mindset came from for you? Um, you know, it's just. I mean, with my dad, he he put me in with like the best coaches he could, um, and you know, he took what he learned and you know put that on me. Um, and then you start, you start getting used to that kind of mindset, just saying, Hey, like these guys were the best to do it. So try to duplicate it, um, you know, follow their model. And then of course, uh, uh, adapt and evolve from there. Cause we're, we live in an ever changing world, but, um, the mindset's still the same and being around other people who share that same mindset also helps. So, um, yeah, it's just with surrounding yourself with the right people, getting yourself with uh, the coaches who are willing to push you. Um, right. So I've had so many. And um, we would try to get the best out of you. And I, I was the kind of guy who you can yell at all you want, and it's not going to affect me. It's going to motivate me, um, but really? I'm not going to take it personally. Um, like, all my coaches growing up yelled at me. So even as, like, a seven-year-old, like I was just mm. a little kid, and yeah, you were chill. You're like, sure, I got it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like this no. is the way it is, I guess. So, so that 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 yeah. helps, and just continuing to, you know, again, bring others into your life that share that same passion. It, it just makes it easier for you yeah. to accept it and do it. Mm, I love that. I love it. So are your parents like, do they come from an athletic background? Is that kind of kind of born and you were the born and bred athlete, huh? Uh, no, my, my parents were, were athletes. Um, okay. My dad played football and uh, my mom, she was a, a track athlete. Um, they, they, they competed through throughout high school and college. Um, oh, wow. So, so yeah, they, so they were athletes. My sister was an athlete. Uh, she played volleyball, but stopped playing in high school and just focused on um, academics. And, mm. um, and yeah, I just stuck with it. Um, and it wasn't like, like I was a good athlete in high yeah. school and in college, but I didn't really, 
once I got to college, I, I wish I took it more seriously. Mm. Um, I just kind of, I enjoyed being in college and just enjoying mm. it. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, was just there and I was doing it because, you know, I love sports. But, I, you know, looking back, I, I really wish I took it more seriously because I, I might have been, you know, better or gotten better earlier instead of waiting until bobsled to, um, to really see my potential as an athlete. Because yeah. once I started bobsledding, like, my numbers just went through the roof. Really? Um, like, I don't know if it was just a late bloomer or if I really did just take it seriously and that's what happened, but um if you can go specifically what do you mean by numbers so that people like listening and watching are like what does he mean by numbers yeah like like sprint numbers like i was like say like a 40 yard dash like mm -hmm. you know we we have guys who can run like sam mcguffey is a good example he ran a four two something 40 uh Damn. eye to eye and you know we have a few other guys who run four threes like you know i, I could probably run a four three somewhere in that in that range right now um or back those then, are like combine numbers <laughs> yeah a lot of great a lot of great athletes are come out to bobsled people don't get it still it's weird but um wow. a lot of great athletes and then also like lifting um yeah. like olympic lifts power lifts squats cleans jerks bench stuff like that plyos um and then that shows on the ice when you're pushing um it, it you know all that work goes into you know uh the results you have in competitions so um mm. that's what i mean by numbers yeah because yeah uh, yeah i came in with some combine numbers that are just like okay yeah. it showed i was fast but then i got faster and i got stronger so just when you were you thought you were starting to peak maybe not maybe not peak but you were starting to get that to a new level in your collegiate career all of a sudden boom there's there's a whole nother level to get to so before we yeah. dive into that which I, I really want to pick back up i gotta ask when you were presented with this opportunity to bobsled what was your like initial reaction were you kind of like what the yeah it's just it's not something you grow up wanting to do right um, there's no school to do it it's mm -hmm. just hey you want to try it um and that's what it was like you know with going back to mike maynard and my coach at the time who said hey you should try out that's literally how others got uh introduced to it also it was just a word of mouth thing and, and yeah we we would the process would be do a combine to show mm -hmm. an athlete's potential um and then from there you get invited to a rookie camp where you learn how to push do all these things, see if you like it or not. And then yeah, there was a little test at the end of that camp as well. And then based on those numbers, if you're doing well, then you get invited to like the actual national push champs, which was with all the other veterans and uh, Olympians, national team athletes have been in the sport for a long time. And then from there you, you get stacked up um, with, with others. And then from there you get chosen by pilots for uh, team selection races before the season starts. And then based on those results, that's how the national team is selected to go in World Cup. Um, wow. So, so yeah, but going back to like, um, you know, what I thought about it before doing it, it's just, yeah, you see, you only see it on TV. Right. That's, that's all I knew what it was. Maybe a video game too, like the Nagano uh, 
video game from Nintendo or something. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah. Um, yeah, that, that was it. Yep. That was all that was my knowledge of it. And I just thought, it was, you know, it was simple, just push, and that's it. But it's very, it's a very technical sport, actually. Yeah. Uh, not just from the pushing standpoint, but also for the pilots, they got to be, you know, they have to be very experienced to do well because you got to know these tracks and you only get a limited amount of runs each day, each year um, on these tracks. And we can only go to the European tracks once a year and we're only limited to 10 runs a week on these tracks for official training and World Cup events. Um, and it costs money. It's a very, for how expensive the sport is, it's very blue collar. You know, we do a lot mm. of our work. Um, lifting heavy lifting stuff like that sleds are heavy um so there's just so many things that go behind it and um you know equipment too it's kind of like nascar you know you gotta you have good equipment to compete down the track um mm -hmm. so there's just there's so many different things involved in this but but yeah that that was my understanding was like here when i started and now it's like through the roof obviously but yeah, yeah. So you, you, I'm sure you've kind of grown to love the sport itself because you're training in it so much. And one of the things that that stuck with me from my very first conversations, you know, we've known each other for you know x amount of time. And one of the things that you said that I continue to think about every time I think of you is, you said that you trained four years, four years for less than five seconds. Yeah. I, like when you first said it, I was like wait what <laughs> like like it, it, it was it was a challenge for me to wrap my mind around because i'm like dang like i never really thought of it at that depth of you're gonna you're gonna train four years for this this sliver of time in which whatever separates first place from second place could be like nanoseconds yeah uh yeah hundreds of a second and yeah. can you explain that a little bit like uh, I, I, that's yeah. just such a big concept that i i definitely can't summarize that yeah i mean the sport is decided just yeah again like if you play that that game on your phone where you have to like click the thing really fast to see how like hundreds of a second you can get like 0 0.01 0 0.02 like yeah. it's, it's real quick right so like so like just that's that's a tenth right there. It's a tenth of a second. So over the course of four runs in the Olympics, like races get decided by a hundredth of a second, which is mind blowing. That's that's almost four miles getting decided by that much. Of four years of training, um, it, it, it's it's just insane that it can come down to something like that. And then for for us as push athletes, like you know, four years for five seconds you know that that's around the average push time for tracks because every track's different mm -hmm. um and the only way we can really maximize that besides the training is just reps with each other so we're doing constant reps with you know our teams and we need to be synchronized because you know when we're pushing that it just needs to be super fluid and when we hop in we don't want any like any other forces um, obstructing us because if we feel like a pushback 
or a slight pause in that movement when we're loading into the sled, that, that's, that's not just time, but also velocity. Mm. So when we do this, uh, when it is like as many reps as we do, we get to the point where it's so smooth when we hop in, we're just like, yeah, okay, that, that felt good. That was fast. And it shows, it shows good push time. It shows good velocity. And then having speed at the top of the track is super important because if you don't, then it's not going to compound on the bottom. Um, mm. well, the, the, having no speed will compound on the time, but um, it's super important to have that synchronization um, up top and getting in the sled and, and loading and pushing together because that's where those hundreds of seconds really come from too. So, and then once yeah. we're in, it's up to the pilot, you know, and, and his confidence in driving and experience on the track. Um, so so yeah. if, I, if, I, if I could ask you, what do you think if all your years, you know, seven years on, on the team, what do you think is the number one quality it takes for someone to be successful as an Olympian? Uh, just, just gritty, persistent, mm. um, and confident. I mean, in, in being able to work with the team too, you gotta, you gotta be a great teammate. Um, cause we got a lot of athletes who come in who just don't work well with the team and they just get out, they get ousted. Mm. Um, this is a, this is a very, very, or this is a, this is a sport that highly, uh, revolves around being a good teammate and be working well as a team. Um, and then being an athlete just helps, you know, and having that work ethic to continue to get better with them and, you know, individually also, but, but yeah, just being, just having the grit to keep going and it's a long season. You gotta be tough, you know, injuries happen. Like you get, like all of us get these weird injuries, not, not injuries, but just like, you know, we're like bleeding all the time. We're getting all yeah. these fusions, bruises, mm -hmm. and pain tolerance goes through the roof when you bobsled because it's just the way it is. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, you just got to trust in it. So, so I'm imagining everyone comes from this highly successful athletic background, right? You have, correct me if I'm wrong, four people in the bobsled, right? Mm -hmm. So you got four people. It's limited spots. You got to make sure that, you know, you, you got the best teammates and you put your, you, you, you have a cohesive team that can put you in a path to success. Now, if everyone's successful, how do you balance out the egos, right? Like you come from this successful background, successful track and, and um, football career. Everyone else is coming with their baggage and their success and their accolades. How do you make that work together as a team? How do you blend that into a workable functioning machine? Yeah, I mean, it, we literally spend every part of the day with each other. Really? Even off the ice. Yeah, because I mean, we're in a we're in a training center mm -hmm. in Lake Placid, New York, like in the Adirondacks, which is almost in the middle of nowhere. Um, <laughs> So there's really nowhere for us to go um, outside of that. So, I mean, it kind of, it's great because it, it keeps us locked in and focused and, you know, keeps the blinders on for, for us and what we want to do. And that's not just make the Olympics, but win a medal. Mm -hmm. um, and again, going back to like, you know, surrounding yourself with people who share the same passion, mm -hmm. you know, when we're all on the same page and working to do that, 
it makes it so much more easier. And then of course we get to know each other. We become good friends. I mean, I still talk with, you know, a lot of guys from the team in the past, like almost every day. Um, wow. So, so yeah, the, the, the relationship goes beyond, you know, the training and the competing, which is what makes the team even stronger. Um, so that, that's, that's how, that's how we do it. We're just, we're just always around each other. <laughs> so mm-hmm. yeah, that's it. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's really, it's really, it's really cool dynamic, put it that way. Yeah. 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 That's, I'm glad that you, you, you shed some light on that. Cause as I'm listening and obviously I know a little bit more about your background and I'm imagining, well, there's three other guys in that sled with him who I'm sure are very accomplished. Like balancing egos is, is like, is challenging, especially it, you, you translate that into entrepreneurship. You know, mm-hmm. you're a leader, you got a team, you know, you, you may have some trouble meshing different personalities what would your what would your approach be to someone like that? Because you know the listeners of this podcast, previous clients, all that stuff. A lot of them are entrepreneurs, so they they apply these lessons that they're they're learning on the show, and apply it to business. How would you apply it? you being an entrepreneur yourself? What's the lesson? What's the biggest lesson you took away from being an Olympian into business that's helped you drastically? I should say. Yeah, uh, you know that's. Common question comes up a lot, and mm-hmm. yeah, just everything I've learned um, and what's gotten me to that the highest level as an athlete has translated into business um, in a big way. Like mm-hmm. not just from like the worth work ethic standpoint, but having that gritty attitude to just trust the process and trust that you know all the work you're putting in will pay off at some point. Mm-hmm. And whether you're working with just yourself or with the team, like you, you have to be highly involved with the team, obviously, um, and grow that rapport outside the office. And if you have an office environment, it just makes it that much easier. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, with, with Zoom, it's a little tougher. I'm not gonna lie. With the digital age now, with just doing stuff through Zoom, it's 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 harder. I'm not mm-hmm. gonna lie about that. Um, it's made things a little more difficult for people who have teams and trying to keep them uh, motivated and highly involved. Um, but, but again, like if, if you're putting up results and like you do the work and the results happen, people see that and they want to, they want to duplicate that. So if you're good, yeah. I mean, Ed says it, like if you're good at sales, you're good at calls, you're good at closing, like people want to duplicate that if they see you're getting results from it. Mm. So so that, that that's a huge thing is just you got you got to lead by example um and just yeah, get your hands dirty you know yeah, um, yeah but but the one thing that drives our business is activity and the work so if you're just a workhorse that that's going to make everything much easier in your life it's it, like the another analogy that people use is spinning the plates you got the the plate spinning no matter if it's three, four, or five, like the only way you, you keep going to business is by keeping them moving. So, um, and, and no one's perfect. You know, stuff happens. You gotta you gotta adapt and you know learn from some things and some mistakes you make. But again, people will see. Okay, what does he do after this? After he gets knocked down, like he's gonna keep going. So. Mm. So yeah, there, there's there's a lot of things that I can go on about, but. Um, just, just 
putting in the work is the biggest thing in my opinion. That's good. That's good. That's, that's a great reminder for everyone listening and watching today. Uh, I want to pivot really quick because one of the things that I admire that I admire about you is your structure. There was a time where you showed me your calendar and I was like, what the heck is this? It's all these colors and time blocks. And I was like that, that my friend is a real calendar. I looked at mine and I was like, I got some work to do. So I, I give you kudos to that for showing me like what the hell a real calendar is supposed to look like. Mm -hmm. Now, how important is structure to you? Let's talk a little bit about structure. Cause like, like I, again, I want people to see the mind, uh, the, your mind and what, how it's led to your success thus far. Yeah. I mean, it, it tells me where I'm going, um, without having to think about it because especially with the amount of volume that I was doing, like as far as just activity before bobsled, you need an outside source to let you know what's going on in this case, a calendar. Um, so, and then you got to be very intentional with that time because, you know, it's not back to back to back, but, you know, I'm only giving myself a limited amount of time to just, you know, finish up some notes or to travel somewhere or to eat lunch or to, to work out or whatever it is. Um, mm -hmm. So you, it has, to, it has to be structured. Otherwise you get caught, you know, off multiple tangents, whether you're talking to someone for too long about something that's not relevant to work or whatever, which is fine. But I mean, if you want to work at a high capacity, you gotta, gotta be very, very deliberate with your time. So this, the calendar helps me say, okay, I got meetings between 11 and five. I'm going to call people, follow up with people, call referrals between nine and 11 and five to seven. Um, I'm going to do some internal meetings early in the morning with our teams, you know, some group huddle meetings, mm -hmm. um, stuff, stuff as a team in the mornings, or maybe even at night as well. Um, and then schedule time out for the gym. Okay. I'm going to the gym at 7 PM or I'm going to the gym at 12 PM in the middle of the day. Sometimes it just, you need it. Um, I need it. <laughs> a yeah. lot of people need it. And, um, yeah, it just, it's, it's super helpful too. Um, and then if you, if you just try it for a week mm -hmm. and then see where you're at by the end of the week compared to other weeks, then obviously, you know, you'll, you'll have your answer of why structure is important, I guess. So totally. I, I think like when you are strategic and intentional about how you're setting up your time and your days who you're investing in, how you're investing it, it takes out the thinking, which I think a lot of people, that's how they spin their wheels. They think, 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 and not enough actual doing, right? Yeah. And then you start to see like this pattern of, well, I can't do this, I can't do this. Well, honestly, you were thinking about it, you just never took action on it. But when mm -hmm. you create that structure, like, you know, one thing that I've, I've started doing um, within the last year is, I get my workout clothes ready before I go to before I go to bed. So the next morning, I just get up and put my workout clothes. And actually, I've upgraded that within, especially during COVID. I sleep in my workout clothes. So I just yeah, you're I'm probably sleep. like, oh no, man, <laughs> yeah. So I just get up, brush my teeth, 
wash my face and I'm 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 good to go. And it's like I don't got to think about what I'm going to wear. I don't got it, it's already it's already set. Now all that extra RAM I've saved up, I can apply that to business, to the podcast, whatever else I'm going to do for the rest of the day. Yep. Yeah, that helps too. I mean, I have to do this sometimes, especially uh, bobsled. You know, I got to get my sliding bag ready the next day because I don't want to do it really in the morning. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and just say, okay, I'm going to do this, this, and that, and then we're going to go to the track. Um, mm, mm-hmm. Or with, with business, like say you want to call 50 people the next day. Mm-hmm. You have to sort out who you want to call and have a list of people prepared instead of me shuffling through my phone or notes, taking time away from that, that time slot that I have set up, set aside to do that specifically. So if I don't, I'm not prepared for that, then I'm, I'm wasting my time. Um, or I'm not, I'm not going to make the most of it, I should say. So mm-hmm. yeah, stuff like that. Um, having notes prepared for like, meetings um follow-ups especially like knowing okay what do we talk about before because you you see so many people you need to have notes um to help you remember what you talked about and that's gonna go much mm-hmm. a, a, a long way with the person you're talking to like oh wow this guy's like prepared and yeah like knew exactly what we went over and what we're now so um it's yeah being prepared not just in business, but also in bobsled is huge. Um, in any sport, honestly, I don't know why I said that, but <laughs> um, <laughs> only in business and bobsled, things, everything. <laughs> yeah, it, it makes things run so much smoother. So yeah, one hundred percent. Well, one of the things that I, I wanted to um, dive a little deeper with you um, is recovery. You and I talked about this months ago on a quick call, um, on a quick chat we had. And I was like, oh, dude, that's so interesting. The way you talk about recovery. And even more recently, you got you just ended, you just wrapped up your 2021 season, correct? Uh, yeah. Yep. So um, I know like we hopped on a, a call about a week ago and I could kind of hear it in your voice. You sounded a little tired. I, I know you were kind of running around. so. I know you you felt a little drained and you you were kind of telling me how the season it takes a toll it takes a beating on you talk a little bit about recovery and what are some some things that you do to kind of get your physical and your mental game back back to back on point you know the last quad between 2014 and 2018 um like i would get really sick after each really? season um like like bad sick um, just no because way. you're operating, you're operating at like a high level for so long, and then finally when you take a break, especially from just the training, supplements, all the food intake, like you know stuff like that. It just your body like almost goes into shock and drops, and then it's just very you're exposed to just you know getting sick. Um, so that's wow. what happens, and. Um, you know, this time around, like I didn't get sick, but um, still, you can feel it. Um, I still feel it right now. Honestly, it's just not as bad as last week. Um, yeah, and it's it's so important just to you know take time after the season just to do nothing, um, mm. especially like just with work too. Like I, I don't want 
I don't want to do someone a disservice and think I'm ready to, you know, meet with clients or meet with potential clients. And I don't, I don't want to be in a mindset where I'm just naughty. So, which is why I gave myself this week and I want to start working again next week, but I'm not going back in the gym for another couple of weeks because my body still needs to heal. Um, mm. And then in season two, like, you know, it's, it's super important to, off season and in season, super important to uh, get as much recovery as you can, and, and that also takes time away from the day. You gotta, yeah, you got to put thirty to thirty minutes to an hour to just taking care of your body, whether it's you know stretching or having my Theragun, you know, percussion therapy, um, getting getting uh, you know some work done um, on maybe some areas of my body that need to be released, you know, some tightness. Um, uh, other things like maintenance stuff, just making sure if I don't get this hurt again, um, you know, like some, some yoga stuff, um, like myofascial stuff. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, just, just doing everything you can just to, you know, make sure the body's ready to go for the next day and, you know, the next competition. And, you know, it, it's just, it's super important because this is a sport where you need to be 100%. Like, mm -hmm. And if you're, if you're, eight, well, if you're only 80%, you know, you, you might need to speak up and say, Hey, like, uh, like I, I can go, but I don't know how good it's going to be. Um, so, I mean, either way, like, like most of us will still go and just, uh, you know, work up a Neapolitan as they call it, just to get me through the, the day or practice or race, whatever, which, you know, it's like just say hey, anti-inflammatories, pre-workout mm -hmm. muscle rubs, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, um, yeah. And it helps cause you don't feel a thing, but at the same time, like doing too much of that is going to take a toll on your body. Sleep. If, if, in the simpler terms, the best way to recover is just by getting enough sleep, eating well. That's so good. Yeah. And yeah, but how much sleep per night do you, were you getting while you were competing while you were in season versus when you're going off season? Um, I, well, you know, if you're not, for me personally, if I'm not getting eight hours, then I'm not going to feel good the next day. Um, mm. nine hours would be optimal. Um, and seven, just like, eh, I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> so yeah, any eight to That's nine is, is optimal. Um, if, I, if I'm not getting that, then I'm going to be like, all right, this is going to be a rough day, but I'm going to have to push through <laughs> it. So yeah. So what do you, what do you think about the people that say, um, you know, people that say stuff like you can be like an opt out, you can fat, you can sleep faster or you can sleep more efficient, right? Like when I was, I remember when I was a cop, I was only getting, I mean, it's not, I'm not trying to wear like a badge of honor, but there were days where I would get maybe two or three hours and then I would get called right back out. And then, or sometimes I would work overtime and I wouldn't get a whole lot of rest and then come home, shower, eat, get back up and do it again. So a lot of nights were like, it was like minimal, minimal sleep. And then now, mm -hmm. especially in the entrepreneur world, you know, team no sleep is a trending uh, lifestyle right now, right? You sacrifice your sleep so that you can stay up. You know, you, you stay up later than everybody. You get up earlier than everybody. And you're saying like, no, like as a high performing 
not just athlete, but you're a high, you're a high performer. You're saying like, yeah, eight hours. But what do you think about the yeah. people that are saying like less than that? Like you can sleep more well, efficient or whatever. My my two cents on that is mm -hmm. if you're putting your body through enough stress, like we do, um, mm -hmm. and you're 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 training and competing at a level where you have to go 100% all the time with no, there's no cardio base. Like the only cardio base that you really have is just you're able to last the whole season and able to do those reps 100% multiple times a day or a week. That that puts so much stress in your body, you have no choice but to sleep. Otherwise, otherwise your body is going to shut down. Now, when you got people who just work and who are just using their brain really to you know succeed in caffeine and and all these other outside sources to perform, Mm -hmm. Maybe sleep. They don't need sleep. I don't know. Like in other in other uh, sports too, where it's more of a cardio base or aerobic base, I should say. Mm -hmm. They they don't sleep as much either. Like like Kobe, for example, or Jordan, or you know these guys that say, "Oh, I only got four hours of sleep." That's just freakish level stuff, honestly. Not everyone yeah. can do that. Yeah. Like I mean, come on. It, 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 there's a reason why those guys are where they are at and they're able to do that because that's just how they operate and they're gotten mm. their body got used to it and it doesn't work for everyone mm -hmm. so when yeah. all these people and so you know i wake up at 4 a.m every morning hey great that works for you it doesn't work for everyone otherwise if i don't get sleep even in the workspace like i'm i'm gonna be just droopy face all day <laughs> um, and, and not not be able to survive unless I had like an ample ample amounts of caffeine, which I love by the way, but right. it's not healthy. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, I, I'm the kind of guy that needs to get a good night's sleep in order to feel good mentally and physically for the next day, especially training. When I was doing both working and training at the same time last year, this time. Mm -hmm. Holy hell, like I I was a mess in the morning. Like it used yeah. to be easy. Yeah, I, I hate mornings, but it used to be easy for me just to say I can deal with the tiredness and go in the office at six or seven o'clock in the morning. Uh -huh. But but with training on top of that that I do late at night, it made that like impossible. I was just like like it was hell. <laughs> the morning was hell for me. So it, it it was like an it was an extra fight just to get out of bed, because um, of soreness and just body was fatigued, just just training fatigue, all that stuff. Nothing bad, just mm -hmm. that's that's the way it was with what I was doing with work and training. So, mm -hmm. but yeah, so that that's that's what I would tell people who are feel like they're getting left behind because they can't they can't do others are doing and get up at three or four o'clock in the morning like don't worry mm -hmm. about that that's just if you want to really want to do that then fine go ahead test it out but not everyone can do it i love that it's like you just gotta you have to figure out what works for you some people operate better in the morning some people operate better at night and it's fine now that we're yeah. talking about it 
when I was at the PD, I remember being more awake at night because my I was working the midnight shift and then my mornings I would be really tired. And then like now that I'm out of that, I love waking up earlier in the morning than rather than staying up later at night. And it's kind of like you, you figure out what's going to match your lifestyle and what you need, what you need to perform for your waking, your, your waking hours. And you just figure out what yeah. the heck works for you. Yeah, that's, that's the best way you can put it. Brother, I appreciate you, man. I want to respect your time. You know, we're, we're right around 45 minutes and I, I really appreciate your time taking taking um, taking some time to do this interview, to share your story, some of the insights that you've learned as a high performer. I think if you can speak to that person listening or watching this interview right now who wants to kind of take their life to the next level, to become a high performer like you, maybe they're looking at maybe implementing your scheduling tactics, or maybe they're looking at um, implementing your recovery tactics. What would be your number one tip for them? Uh, number one tip, honestly, would just be be yourself. Like, don't don't try to be someone else. Like, mm. especially in business. That's something I didn't I didn't do when I first started. I was just kind of trying to be something else or someone else, whatever. Mm-hmm. And people saw that, and it was just not genuine. Um, but mm-hmm. then, you know, one of one of our work meetings or uh, like big conventions we have each year. When I was at Northwestern Mutual, like mm-hmm. one of the guys who spoke at uh, that conference was just like, "Hey, the number one." If I were to tell someone the biggest thing to do in this business is just be yourself um, and everything else will come. So, yeah, again, people, you know, who stick with you become clients or become part of your team, like they're they're going to invest in you. So just be yourself. That would be the number one thing. You know, embrace it. And, yeah, you know, you'll start seeing the change in your business if that's not what you're doing right now. So... Amen to that. Amen to that. So how can people get a hold of you? How can they um, how can they keep in touch with you, follow you on social, kind of see what you what you got going on on the business end? How can they get in touch with you? Yeah, so I'm on multiple platforms. I mean, I, I'm, I really check Instagram the most. That's my, my athlete page. That's my handle down there um, for Instagram and Twitter. Um, Facebook, no, uh, a lot. You can. I'm on LinkedIn too. I actually need to get back on it. I got a lot of messages sort through on there. So I'm actually, I'm actually going to be more. My plan is to show more bobsled stuff on LinkedIn to kind of get more people in the business side of things to get them more involved with what I'm doing athletically. Uh, so I think it'll be a, a nice little transition for them and uh, be like, oh, this dude, this guy works and does this at the same time. This is insane. Um, that's awesome. So that's I, awesome. I, I'm, look, I'm looking to be more, more active on LinkedIn now. Now that I have time, because I didn't have time before. Just too many things, you know. I got to focus on. You got to prioritize what you want to do. So it just wasn't a priority. Um, oh, dude, yeah. And yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, that's how you that's can good. follow and yeah, keep. keep that's awesome, brother. Well, man, I'm I'm excited for you. It's it's glad to have you back i know like when it's in season i'm kind of like okay don't bother carlo right now let him do let him do his thing and you know we'll catch up 
when uh, when he's when he's freed up more. So I appreciate you making time for this interview. I appreciate you sharing your knowledge. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to see what you got going on with LinkedIn. And I'm excited to share your message with the world, brother. Yeah. Yeah. Again, thanks for having me, Angelo. You know, it's uh, it's good to you know share all that stuff with you guys and everyone else watching and listening. Um, hope you guys enjoyed it. Hey, what's going on, everybody? I hope that you enjoyed the show. Make sure you follow me at AngeloLilock.com. That's A-N-G-E-L-O-L-I-L-O-C. You'll receive our weekly newsletters, any updates, any events, giveaways, all that kind of stuff every week straight to your inbox. All right. We want to make sure that it's easy and convenient for you. We'll see you guys next week. Thank you.